actually in the middle, I want to do something funny. I didn't do one this morning, but at night we've got more time. So um, I want to do, uh, say something funny, a little funny story. Are you ready? I heard about this couple who had been married for 60 years. There's several people in our church, 60 years. But anyway, 60 years. They were sitting on the front porch together feeling romantic. The wife said, I remember when you used to always hold my hand. Her husband reached out and held her hand. I remember that you always used to kiss me on my cheek. And the man leaned over and kissed her on the cheek. She says, I even remember that you used to nibble on my ear. <laughs> Sorry. The man got up and started to walk away. She says, what's wrong? Where are you going? And he turned around and said, I guess I'm just going to get my teeth. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, man. Oh, you know. You know what's really funny? I haven't done it before here because they're actually quite rude, some of them. But, you know, I, I've got some jokes. And honestly, when I need some fun, when I feel down, which is hardly ever, but if I do feel down, I just want to have a laugh, I go for the jokes of the mistakes in bulletins of churches. And I've got like 10 in a row. By page 5, you're on the floor rolling. It is just so incredibly funny. But some are a bit, you know, you just bit, you know. So I wouldn't do those here, of course. But it's actually really, man, it's like tears coming streaming down my eyes. It's just so funny. It's so good to laugh, you know. I mean, Jesus Christ, he is our example. Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above his companions. He was the joyous, the most, most, most glorious and joyful person who ever lived. And so the thing is, that's the one we follow. That's the one who's in us if you're born again by his spirit. So that's really wonderful. I'm going to do a new message tonight. Not the same as this morning, so you'll be happy, those who are here this morning. And the thing is, though, but I'm just going to cover a little bit from this morning. Uh, this morning, we're in the series of um, The Kingdom Life. And um, its, its theme of the series is Matthew 6, where it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples and us to pray uh, in this way. And um, when we see the kingdom of God like that, the kingdom of God really is from heaven to earth. The flow of the kingdom that we are part of is a flow that goes from heaven to the earth. Now, some of you may not know, but you actually, if you're a Christian, you're actually seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians 2, it says, God raised us up with Christ when he was raised after he died and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus so we will live in the heavenly realms in the spirit, and also we are part of this kingdom, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We see this in Philippians 2, uh, 3, sorry, 2, 20, uh, that our citizenship is in heaven. Now, I've been talking about this for quite a while, and the reason why I find it really hard, even for myself, is that often we as Christians uh, don't really think about so much the spirit, although we know that God is spirit. We sometimes live such natural lives. I actually told my staff, and then also got some other people, I said, listen, and even at church the other day, we need to become more spiritual. And what I mean by that is that we so often live in the, this kind of horizontal life. And we go with what we see, what we taste, what we feel. That is our reality. This is our reality. This mic is our reality. You know, the drums, the whatever. This is our reality. But the thing is what we understand, that the spirit is more real than this real. Right? And that this real, this reality, was actually created from the outside, from the spiritual. God created everything. So the spiritual realm, the problem is, though, that we don't often know and are fully engaged with it or even know how it operates because we live so much in the natural realm. 
But I have news for you. We are in this world, but not of this world. Right? So we are aliens in this world. Paul talks about being aliens in this world. Tell your neighbor you look like an alien. You're not very loud. It's going to smack in the face. So tell your wife, the whoop, there's a Miss Piggy, you know. You know, what? I'm an alien. <laughs> aliens in this life, you know. So it's very confusing sometimes to, um, to act like Christians. It's actually quite hard to act like spiritual people because we sometimes don't even know how it all works together. And that's why we need to know how the kingdom of God works and how we relate to this spiritual reality. Relate to God. See, his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. So if we need to relate to him, we've got to get his thoughts, his ways, his mind. That's what the Bible talks about, getting the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ, which is in your spirit, can then renew your mind. I talked about this morning a little bit. Remind your mind. So you start to change your mind. It says to be transformed in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you change not from the pattern to be renewed from this pattern of this world into the pattern of the other world, which is the pattern of heaven. We're called to live by the pattern of heaven. God's kingdom is not of this world. It says here in John 18, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. And so the thing is though, his kingdom is so otherworldly, it is so countercultural to our culture and to the world like this that we have to understand how the kingdom works in this way. He works differently. Not only is the kingdom spiritual and not natural, but also the kingdom works with different values, different principles. It's just different. That's why this morning, and if you want to listen to it again, it's okay, you can go online. I talk about the upside-down kingdom this morning. It's an upside-down kingdom that we live in. Now, then the new, now I'm going to the new phase of this talk. My talk tonight is about living from a different place. And it all has to do with the kingdom of God. It's living from a different place. It is, it is it's basically living from the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ, Easter, we celebrate this, changed everything. Well, most things. If you look at the Old Covenant, which you're not called to, we're never called to the Old Covenant. We weren't even called to the New Covenant. We're actually called to no covenant. It was the Jewish people who were called to all the covenants. It's just that the New Covenant, we can also, praise God, be grafted in to the covenant that God made with the Israelites. And so now we are grafted into the New Covenant, but most of us, or many of us, play with the Old Covenant and think somehow, because it's in the Bible, it's for me. Now it is for you, and the teaching of the kingdom and some of the kingdom principles are in the Old Covenant, they're very beautiful. But many things have changed through the cross. And I want to talk about some of those changes that happen through the cross, because otherwise you get a mixture of life which is very difficult to live in. Anyway, so Jesus, he gives his life, he takes the sin of the world upon himself, he dies, he then is buried, and then he rose again on the third day. Now, he, he then walks on the earth for 40 days, right? Talks to people, different people, blah, blah, blah. He's got the supernatural body already, can walk through doors and windows and all this kind of stuff, right? The borders that we're going to have too, which is absolutely amazing. We're going to get one day, and I can't wait for that one. And so that's really good. And then 40 days. And then, of course, he ascends to heaven because his work is finished. He said when his work, he says, it is finished. 
So first of all, you have to understand that when we become Christians in our spirit, that we actually died with Christ, that we also were buried with Christ, but that we also were raised with Christ, and then we also ascended with Christ into the heavenly realms. And that's where we are seated in the heavenly places, which we talked about before. It's very important. And so that's why the cross purchased a lot of stuff for us. It is the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ, which is so big and so huge. Some of us have sometimes no clue what it all means, but of course the Bible talks about the wonderful inheritance that we have. Now the inheritance then, the inheritance and then is then manifested, bought by Christ by the cross, but then 10 days later, that is 50 days after the cross, Pentecost happens, right? And so Pentecost is a celebration. In Europe, by the way, we celebrate Pentecost. Here we don't. Do we, Ireland, you Pentecost? Yeah, see, in Europe, maybe because of the tradition, we in Holland too, we went to a conference at Pentecost with 75,000 people that my family started about 60, 54 years ago, whatever. Uh, 75,000 people, people. It's amazing, right? To worship with 65,000 on a Sunday afternoon, worshiping in the big valley in the open air. Come on, this is awesome. Yeah. That's at Pentecost because we... We celebrate Pentecost. We even, as Pentecost, uh, Ascension Day, Hemelfaartsdag. It's also a holiday. So we have Easter as a holiday, Ascension Day is a holiday, and Pentecost is a holiday weekend. And that's, it shows the importance of what Jesus did. But of course, the 50 days when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the early church with Pentecost, that's of course when the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation and the power came for the church to live this life and to step into the inheritance that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. It's a new covenant in this way. So we live from a new place. We live from the cross. Something changed. A lot of things changed. A new kingdom perspective in the kingdom of God from a heavenly reality into the earthly reality. Now it's very, very different after the cross than before the cross. I don't have time to talk about everything. It takes a long time to talk about everything. But the basic things is that under the old covenant, which is not for us, I'm just saying. But under the old covenant, which in, it's in the Bible, which happens to be all the way until Jesus dies and rose. So don't come to me and say, well, it's the New Testament. See, you got the Old Testament, Philip's Malachi, then it's the New Testament with the Gospels. That is not the new covenant yet, right? We're still under the old covenant. When Jesus walked the earth... When Jesus was, was doing all this stuff, it was under the old covenant. He was both, of course, his new covenant, old covenant, but he was himself in an old covenant still. And then when he rose from the dead and he gave, gave his life, because by blood, a new covenant, that's why we celebrate communion even tonight. When he, when he gave his life, then he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. So when he died, when his blood was shed, then the new covenant came into being. But not before. That's why sometimes where certain things he says, you think, hey, that's not even New Covenant. That doesn't sound like the Ephesians. It doesn't sound like Colossians. The reason why is because Jesus is still speaking to the disciples. The disciples were not born again. It's still under the Old Covenant. Some people don't get that. After I've passed the say to me, oh, no, no, the disciples are born again. They're, no, they're not. They can't be. Because they're not clean yet, because they've got to be cleaned. And only by Jesus' blood are we clean. So, yes, they, 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 was, they received the Spirit, but he blew on them. Something happened there. And there's a bit of stuff going on. But you have to understand that the covenant started from the dying of his, of, of, uh, basically Friday. Uh, Good Friday is when he died. And then, of course, he rose to new life, and we rose to new life with him in Jesus' name. Amen? 
So, under the old covenant, you had to perform the law. There were 613 laws, 13 laws, and also including the Ten Commandments, the Ten Big Ones, right? So you had to perform to keep these laws in order for you to have a right relationship with God and for you to be accepted by God, to be loved by God, and to be righteous by God. Now, if you did good, you get good. Well, that's good. But if you did bad, or if you failed, you get bad, and you get cursed. Well, that was not good, right? So the whole old covenant is do good, get good, do bad, get bad, right? Let's all say it together. Do good, get good, do bad, get bad, okay? That's your, so it's a yo-yo reality because you never know how I am with God because how do I know that I perform well and all this kind of stuff? So these guys in the old covenant, not you, not us, these guys in the old covenant live this way. They were living under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God said, don't touch that tree. You can try every tree in the garden, but don't touch that one. When you eat from that one, you will surely die. Because they were meant to live in the tree of life. And of course, Jesus purchased this back to us, so now we can live in the tree of life and history and all this kind of stuff. The rest is history. That's the beautiful thing in this way. So they were always living towards the law, towards law-keeping. Their mind and their goal was also on the law, their perspective, their meditation, and also their motivation, right? But for us, it's totally different because we are after the cross. Things have changed. Jesus actually fulfilled the law for us because he was perfect. He was the son of God. And there's lots of scriptures which I just don't have time for tonight. You can trust me. You can look it up yourself. Uh, fulfilled the law for us. So now we get an impartation of what he has done for us, an impartation of that life into our lives. And now we are as if we have never sinned, as if if we've never missed the law as if we never failed in anything we get that he's got it but he gave it to us an imputation into not amputation imputation impute in our lives in this way amen so that's really powerful just to say this. And so now we have the same inheritance that Jesus has, which is absolutely amazing because he is the son of God which is absolutely beautiful in this way. So then the law um, of, of old, it was the law of love, and I'll, tell you, I'll show you in a minute what it's all about. After the cross, the law of God, which is about love, now comes to live inside of us by the Holy Spirit. So we come from a totally different place to live in. This was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah in 31, 31. He says, I will write the law, which is the law of love, on their minds and put it in their hearts. And so when we go back to Pentecost, at Pentecost, are you still with me, by the way? Yeah. Oh, that's quite confusing. At Pentecost, that's where the love was poured out. The 120 in the upper room, they were love-bombed, right? The fire of God came onto those 120. They're the love of God, the liquid love of God, and the fire of God, and just his presence came into these people, was so incredibly powerful, and they were filled with this love which is just absolutely amazing. But now the motivation changes. Now the motivation changes from a command, do this, do that, you got to do this, be good enough, blah, 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 to a desire because we come from a different place because he's now put the love of God into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's not a command to, but it's a desire after. 
him. A desire after what he has put into our lives. Now what we see here, one day Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment under the law? Mark 12. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. And he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? And Jesus replied this, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only one. Sorry, the Lord is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord, famous saying, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. these. <clears throat> so notice something. Because we spit this out very quickly. They asked, what is the greatest commandment under the law? Are we under the law? No. So you got to make sure what it because even this thing, love the Lord, all you got, life, all your heart, mind, motion, that whole thing is of <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Kether. Otherwise you can finish this. Otherwise you can finish this talk. So, so. Out after the, uh, don't, don't disturb me all the time. It's, 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 it's. See, this one, this commandment about the law is very important because it says you must love the law with all your heart. Now, the problem is this. How on earth do you know if you love him enough? And that's why the Jews have got these boxes around here and right here. And they got every, everything is about because we don't want to upset him or in any way. They're like... Like almost like walking around like this because they want to move any back thing because they know. They're still in the old covenant, of course, like this because it's just so scary, you know. And they have to love God. They want to do everything to love. But how on earth are you never secure in this love because you have no idea how much do you love him? How much with my strength? How much with my heart? How much with my head do I? So it is, it's a performance thing still, even although it's wonderful, it's loving God, it is still under the covenant. How on earth do you measure it? Now, then you come to Jesus in the new covenant, although here he speaks it prophetically still under the old covenant. I hope you stay with me. In the old covenant, he said the opposite, John 13, 34. After, he says, a new commandment I give you. All are gone. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. Let's say it together. As I have loved you, so you must now love one another, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is so different. Now, he is still hasn't gone to the cross yet in John 13. He's prophesying this uh, when it will happen, when he gives his life, just a few chapters later, right? So he prophesies the reality of the cross to the disciples here in the opposite spirit because he knows that the reality of the love of God will be poured out into your Holy Spirit and there's one command that will be in your thing because love itself will be put into your heart, into your life. And he proves this love to us by dying for us on a cross. So we live from a completely different place, a place of love, on the inside, the best way I can describe it to us is that we have received a new hard drive. That's how I like to look at it. We used to have this hard drive which was sinful. It's called the sinful nature. And then when we become a Christian, God, remember he gets we get circumcised? 
right? Not literal. The Jews did, not literal for us. <laughs> and then, but we are circumcised of the heart. And it's of the spirit. And so that's why the spirit comes to live inside of us. So God gives us a new hard drive into our being. That hard drive is exactly like God because you're born like God. It's not 99% like God. It's not even 99.956789% like God. It is exactly like God. You are born of his spirit. It's literally the sperm of God. By his spirit in the same way of God. And so now we don't live to love we don't try to perform to love to love God, but now we live from the place from love because we've been loved by God and we want to please God because he loved us so much. For, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him not perish have eternal life. That whole thing, Amen. right? So now he is in us and we are in him and we are seated in heavenly places with him. It's a totally different place. Not just positionally, but in reality. People talk to me all the time about positionally. It is not only positionally, that's theologically. Positionally, like the position has changed. No, no, the reality has changed. You actually have changed from the inside out. You become a new creation, the Bible talks about, which is absolutely diff uh, wonderful. So we see in the new covenant, and particularly in the epistles, we see that the language has changed. The language has changed in so many different ways. Because now you live from God, you love God. You love God because he first loved you. So one of the things I want to show is that he first loved you. The, second, the, the first one was about the love. The second thing I want to talk about is the whole thing of acceptance. And then one more, and then just giving examples of this thing. So Romans 15 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring, pra to bring praise to God. So even in the area of acceptance... We have been accepted by God fully. Not maybe because you do good or do bad. You do because you are accepted by him. You become a son. You become a daughter. It's powerful. And this is grace. We don't live to be accepted by God, but we are fully accepted by God. And from that place, we live. We have an eternal acceptance which God has made available to us through the blood of Jesus. I really missed my cross, by the way. I always point to the cross, but now I've got to point to what he did on the, the communion here. If you're wondering why I point to this all the time, why are you pointing to this table all the time, Gideon? The reason why is the communion, but my cross is gone. I have a cross here, and I love the cross, but something happened to it. it fell over or whatever it happened, so I want the cross back. Just make it happen. Make it happen, please. Get the cross back here. So that's really good. I'll say it like this in Jesus' name, right? See, every religion, every religion, every person even in, in the world is looking for acceptance, is looking for only Christianity has the unconditional love of God and the unconditional acceptance of God through what Jesus Christ has done for us. We live from acceptance every day. I never wonder if I'm loved by God. I don't have that problem anymore. I always know I'm loved by God. I never think, 
whether I'm accepted by God, even though I make mistakes. Not many, but some. <laughs> My wife shouldn't be here. Go away. I have to preserve my face, my, my, my persona, Catherine. So the thing is, though, we live from acceptance. Isn't that wonderful that we live from being absolutely eternally acceptant? And there's nothing we have to do for it. The only thing you do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He comes to live inside of your life and you're fully loved, but you're absolutely fully accepted forever. You want to make a mistake, you still accept it. I don't love enough, I don't do enough. You're still accepted, you're still loved unconditionally because God can't change who he is. He's always the same. Now, this is kingdom living, you know, kingdom life. This is kingdom life. But there's also another one, it's the forgiveness one. Now, that's the harder one for some of you. I put this post online the other day. It's amazing how many people were, that was very interesting, uh, to, to, to say um, Ephesians 4. It's totally different than the Old Covenant. This is one of the most obvious ones, this one. Ephesians 1 says this. This is the New Covenant epistles, you know, Paul. He says, forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3, there's a whole bunch of them. Colossians 3, 13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now this happened how long ago? Last week, uh, your last confession. I'm trying to play with you guys. When did it happen? When did it happen? Not before the cross. At the cross. How long ago was this? 2,000 years. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life, took the sin of the world upon himself. Can I say something to you? Because it really frustrates the heck out of me with people still say that. Do you know when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, what did he say? Ho! What did he say? Behold the Lamb of God. Yeah, and it is not sins. Somebody says sins. That's wrong theology. There's only one. It's the sin of the world. See, the thing is, though, that's one of the things where if you understand, he take away the sin of the world, the wrong of the world. And he, in his own blood, took it right again. It's not like he's all these sins. They've got a whole angel. They've got all these lists of all the sins of all the people. No. It is the sin, the sin nature, the thing that went wrong. He put everything back right and made the world innocent again. We can actually see this, which is not in my notes, but I'm just talking. And the thing is, though, I've got the microphone. So the thing is, though, <laughs> in Corinthians, it says that we have now received the, the, the thing of the, the, what have we received? I'm so tired today. I'll be playing drums and priests this morning and whatever. Walk the dog and do everything. Uh, what do I talk about? Uh, Corinthians says, you have received the ministry of reconciliation that God is... Not, yeah, not N O T. Thank you. Not counting men's and women's sins against them. That's in the Bible. So, what does that mean? Oh, but, but again, yesterday I kicked a cat. And it was so bad, I got I to gotta, I gotta wash myself clean. I said, Jesus, your blood, I need to clean myself because I kicked the cat. Well, that's a simple one. Okay, I, lo I look lustfully at a girl or whatever you did. You were angry. 
Jesus says, if you're angry, it's like murdering somebody. So you're, you're stuffed. We're all stuffed, you know. So the thing is, though, is it this? People still tell me this stuff. Guys, Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself, took it to the grave as far as the east is from the west. Yes, you step into it when you become a Christian. Boom. But it's something that has been provided for the whole world. Get it? Are you telling me that the whole world is, 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 is cleansed? Is, is, um, he paid for everything. Yes, exactly what I'm saying. Oh, do, is everybody saved then? Well, yes or no? Yes, they are. But they don't know yet. It's only by faith you get saved and born again. You can't even see the kingdom of God if you're not born again. So yes, you've got to say yes to Jesus. Because if you say that, if you say, it's a bit of a theological thing here tonight, right? But if you say that Jesus saved everybody, don't do any, everybody's going to heaven, that's universalism. But I don't believe in that. Some people believe in that. I just don't believe in that. Because it doesn't make sense with scripture whatsoever. Predestined, maybe. That's all good. And he knows, of course, because he already knows before you were born what's going to happen to you. So, yes, I don't think it's predestined, but he knows what's going on. So, the thing is, though, otherwise you get into Dutch culture, Calvinism, and all this kind of stuff. It's actually a really dangerous ground. You don't want to go there. The, the whole point is, guys, that, it's not, that, 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 that sin has been atoned for once and for all. Now, in the Old Covenant, it wasn't like this at all. In the Old Covenant, they did the sacrifices, right, in the temple and by the bulls and the goats. And the Bible said that bulls and goats can never take the sin away. They can cover it for a year. That's why we say Yom Kippur, the, the day of, of atonement that the Jews uh, celebrate every year. Because once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, atone for the sin of the world, the, 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 the scapegoat, all the sin of the people of the scapegoat into the desert, all that kind of stuff. But it will never take away the sin of the world. It will never take away the sin. It was just covered Everybody was waiting to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ, the actual Son of God, who was the only one who was holy enough to take this sin upon himself. So when that happened, that's why the cross is so amazing. That's why the cross is so unbelievable. That's why I want my cross back. Yeah. Because it is everything what Christ has done for me is related to that because everything was turned back inside out again, back up, right side up again. In this way, it is so incredibly powerful that we have to know this. Yes, you have to say yes to Jesus. Yes, you do. But the thing is, I'll tell you a secret about Christianity. Secret. It's not a secret at all, but it sounds good. A secret. Christianity is not about you giving your life to him. It's about him giving his life to you. He, 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 he gave you his life, he, and he says, I'll give you my life. And then... Sorry, bro. You okay? <laughs> he, he puts this new hard drive into your system. And you're born again of the Holy Spirit. And you're a new creation. And it's so beautiful. That's what happens. And he has this for everybody. It's just available. That's why Christmas, the gift, is available to everybody. But you've got to accept it. It's accepted by faith. Through grace, you can't do anything about it. You just have to accept it, right? So it's not universalism. Don't say, hey, guys, I think Gideon talked about you. No, no, I don't talk about universalism. I, yeah, I talked about it, but I don't believe in it, right? We don't believe in this kind of stuff. It says here, Peter, Christ died, Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, Christ died for our sins once for all time. Do you know how profound that line is? Look at that line, guys. Christ 
died for our sins once, all time, forever. Yeah, but I can imagine about my past sins when I ask forgiveness that I'm forgiven there, but what about my one tomorrow? He already knows what you're going to do tomorrow. I mean, the thing is, though, it is a non-issue for God. Now, sin is an issue for God in the sense of don't do it because it will pain you or pain other people around you, so don't be dumb. But it is not about the righteousness that Jesus has paid for. You are forgiven. We are a forgiven people. Full stop. He paid for our sins, past, present, and future. When he died, everything was in the future. Right? It was 2,000 years ago. All our sins were in the future. So it's like this. It's so powerful in this way. Hebrews 10. If you don't believe me, go to Hebrews 10. Every priest... Going back to the old again, daily at his service, stands daily, because they never can sit down, because it's never done. It's never finished. Only Jesus sat down. Daily stands at his service, God's service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. We're talking about the temple now. But when Christ had offered for all time, One single sacrifice for sins with his own life. He sat down. He can sit down because it's finished. It's paid for. It's done. He sat down and, and at the right hand of God where we are sitting with him, waiting from the time until his enemies should be made his footstool. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And the other one in Romans 5, that um, he became sin for us. The one who was, had, had no sin became sin for us. So in him, we might become the righteousness of God. I love those things about righteousness. I, it's changed my life, this whole understanding. But I want you to see something. That the priest could never, sta- st- st- always never sit down. He just had to stand because the sin was never taken away. It was only atoned for, for another year, for another sacrifice, whatever. And so that's why we got this idea, we've got to cleanse ourselves. There's nowhere in the Bible about this whole thing. There's only one scripture in the New Covenant about this. It's 1 John. 1 9 it says if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to to forgive you of you write something like for how's it go uh, come on theologians Josh so how much why I pay you so much that's right now the thing is though and we all said oh that's one in the new covenant here for us the problem is it was it was not well done by the way um, that's good isn't it <clears throat> Is what's not uh, for us. Now, I was not meant to talk about this because I'm going to get myself into a hole now uh, in this way. But that whole thing, when you look at 1 John, the whole thing, that is actually not talking to Christians. You can see this. I've taught on the whole thing of 1 John. It was talking to the, I forget the name of those people. Gnostics. Gnostics, thank you. Actually, I'm pretty proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I think well, he knows it still. <laughs> so he's talking to the Gnostics because the Gnostics thought they had no sin. And he said, no, 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 no. If you confess your sin, he is faithful to, he was talking to Gnostics. Gnostics were not Christians, were not believers. It's the only, only scripture in the New Covenant. What I'm trying to say is, guys, uh, the Christian, there's no progressive cleansing. There's no progressive cleansing. Like, I did something, I've got to 
confess all my sins. I used to have that. I used to go to bed, make sure I confessed all my sins I had that day, all the girls I looked at and all the whatever I did, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And then the sins that I didn't know because, man, there must be stuff I didn't know because not just the bad stuff, it's also the good stuff in the sense of I've not been good enough, I have not faith enough, I haven't prayed enough, I haven't read my Bible enough. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. It's all sin. It's all falling short, right? So I said, I am completely stuffed. So every night I would go on my knees and say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Now that is so outrageous. What I look now back now, it's just so sad that I did. I never ask forgiveness anymore. It's just nonsense because I am completely forgiven once for all. Now, what about the sin that you do then? Well, just say sorry. Relationally to God, just say sorry. Say, Lord, it was really dumb what I did here. And he says, yes, that was dumb. But Jesus already paid for it. Actually, he already knew it was going to happen. I mean, that's how amazing it is. But you are cleansed. You, how could you even sit in heavenly places with him and not be cleansed? Not possible. How could the Holy Spirit live in you? Mystery, right? I mean, the Old Testament. No way. The, if you do something bad, the Holy Spirit would go. Bye-bye. See you later. If you do one thing wrong, now he is with you all the time, riding with you, all the bad stuff you do. Well, how is that possible? Jesus. Because Jesus paid for it all. Does God like it? No, he doesn't. He doesn't want you to be dumb. Don't do sin things. It's just not good for you. It's not good for everybody else. It's just not good for you. He wants you to live a righteous life. That's why he says he has perfected you for all time. Those who are being sanctified, which has nothing to do with your salvation, but has to do with outworking of your salvation, the outworking of your, of your, of your, of your uh, life, that you become more and more like Christ. In your spirit, you are already perfect forever. But in your soul, soul, in your mind, in your flesh, you will always fight with this till you die. I mean, we get it more and more under control by the Holy Spirit, but the flesh always wants things. I'm not even talking about sexual stuff. I'm talking about anything. I mean, eating or, or sleeping, long, uh, of going to prayer meetings. I mean, it's interesting. There's still only 12 people come to prayer meetings. It's all the flesh. It's all flesh stuff. I just don't want to. I'm tired now. No, serious. I don't want to be sorry if somebody you've spoken to, but it's, it's really bad. And, and if we know that prayer meetings actually will change everything about you and about God, no, no, I can't get up for my quiet time. I can't get up for my secret place. Really? You know? It's all, it's all the flesh, guys. So we do it all the time. But the thing is, though, God in Christ has accepted us forever. So we are loved unconditionally forever. He will never stop loving you. It's like a parent with a child. He, he may do dumb things to the child, but the parent will never stop loving the child unconditionally. He will always accept a child. I always will accept my children. And the third thing is, we are always going to be forgiven. It was done once and for all. And Tante Cory, Cory Ten Boom was a friend. Remember Tante Cory? From Holland, Cory Ten Boom was a friend of my grandfather. And I got a letter from her upstairs uh, writing to my grandfather about some things. But Cory Ten Boom always says he's taken the sins as far as the east is from the west. He's taken to the bottom of the sea and he's put a sign, no fishing allowed. No fishing allowed. Well, that's basically what I wanted to talk about tonight. Well, that's really wonderful. And uh, so everything changed at the cross. Those three things I want to talk about. But you can go on and on. We live from the favor of God. In the old covenant, you had to work towards favor. You are favored by God if you do good and, and do all the stuff that we talk about. But you, you can never be good. But in the new covenant, you are favored. We are favored. But every spiritual blessing in Christ has already been given to us in Jesus Christ. Of course, which we uh, adopt and manifest through our faith. Also from the power of God. I spoke about it this morning. That the power authority in the old covenant, well, there was some power authority if you do well with God. But if you didn't do well, man, you're cursed. That's really bad. But in the new covenant, we are now in Jesus Christ and we have all power. What about victory? We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. 
I'm sure Josiah talked about that the other day. From victory, because we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, he just like this squished the devil. Now he's still got some things, but he's like a lion without any teeth, but he's still roaring around the world. He thinks he's somebody. He's actually not. And the thing is, though, he's been pushed down by Jesus. He's actually under his feet, and you are seated with him in heavenly places, so he's also under your feet. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by the devil or anybody of those angels, those demons. I remember Smith Wigglesworth one time, he was sleeping, apparently he was sleeping, and the devil walked into his room. He looked up, woke up, oh, it's you, and went back to sleep. See, that's our posture. Our posture is that we, have, we fight from victory. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. Now, do we have things happening in this life? Of course we do. Jesus says, in this life you have problems and trouble, but... I have overcome the world. That's what we celebrate here because he has overcome the world. We are overcomers in him. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power who rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. Come on, people. I just want to encourage you today to be strengthened in the Holy Spirit and don't be fooled by these things. We live in a different kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom, but it's a powerful kingdom and it's living from a different place after the cross from favor, from being unconditionally loved, from being unconditionally accepted, from being empowered in some beautiful way and to be completely cleansed and forgiven for all time. I'll never question my salvation ever again. Ever. I can talk about some other things but I won't tonight. We'll do a podcast about it again. Johnny and I will do Bible Dutch again or Double Dutch, whatever you're going to call it. So powerful. He defeated the enemy. Colossians 2, one of my favorite scriptures. Look at this. You were dead. Because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But a cut was cut away when you come into Christ. You get this new, remember this new hard drive? He cuts it away, circumcised in the spirit, it talks about. Then God made you alive with Christ, see? He forgave you all. Everybody say all. I looked at the dictionary in many different, all means all. It is really all. It's all of it. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it on the cross. This was not yesterday, people. This was 2,000 years ago. He did this for us. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Come on, this is new covenant, new kingdom, kingdom of God living. This is, I was going to do that song. This is living now, but we're not going to do it. This is living now. It's living in the freedom of God. Oh, I love Jesus so much. You know, this life brings us peace and joy and rest. Because it's no longer about your performance. It's all about His performance on our behalf. And so it brings joy in your life. It brings you actually power even to say no to sinful things. As our focus changes towards God, you will so love Him. He changes your desires. You don't even want to do the things that you used to do. I see people in this church all the time. They have big addictions in their life. And they look to Jesus and things just happen. Things just fall off. I don't even want to drink anymore. I don't want to have all this stuff, sex out of marriage anymore. I don't want to have this... Whatever they're doing, drugs anymore, whatever they have, whatever the things are going on. But I just don't want it anymore because Jesus has changed my heart. He's changed my desires. It's just so wonderful. It's just so powerful. Amen? Oh, how beautiful to live in the intimacy of God. 
And so we thank you. Say, Jesus, thank you. Lord, we thank you. Come on, let's thank him together. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. Lord, we thank you for the price you paid. We thank you for the cleansing. Lord, we thank you for your beautiful kingdom we're now part of, this family of God, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You are king, our king, our king of glory, our king of kings, but also our lover, our bridegroom, whom we're going to marry soon. Great banquet, great feast, the eternal bliss of this love affair, which will be forever and will never end. Lord, what a glorious gospel we have. Oh, Lord, I wish everybody in this city, in this country, in the world would know this beautiful gospel. This is so beautiful. We honor you and give you praise. Lord, we pray that you give a revelation again tonight of how blessed we are, how forgiven we are, how loved we are, how accepted that we are in you. Oh, we bless you and give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. It's all about you, Jesus.